Why stand still when you can run headfirst into a wall? You're listening to the Jocular Pugilists. So here we are talking about the 80s again. We just sort of have a lot to talk about. This was when we grew up. And so we have so many vivid memories and so many fun things, at least from our childhood and, and our friendship that we get to bring up. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. And I hope people listening are enjoying it as much as we are. And we're not being too specific to us and people can relate and all of that. So today we're going to talk about what well, we're going to start with MTV. which was a huge deal in the 80s and right in my formative years. So I would literally come home from school and from like three to six, I'd be watching MTV until, you know, my parents would want me to do my homework, I guess. It was everything to me. Watching those videos and seeing those bands was everything to me. So I unfortunately was one of those children that grew up with a black and white television from the 1970s. My parents never did anything new. I didn't grow up with cable, but I would live vicariously through my friends and always run over their house to watch MTV. So I have a lot of memories of MTV, but I never watched it on my own TV. I perhaps watched it on yours, Phil. Wow, that's really <laughs> sad. I didn't know that. But you know, actually, now that I think about it, when you and I met, it was right around Live Aid, right? Because when was Live Aid? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. It was around 82 or 83, but it was right around when we met. And that was also a really big deal. I mean, it, it, it was, was. Was that on MTV? I think it was on MTV. I was at Live Aid, so I don't know what it was. Oh, that's right. You were at Live Aid. Well, you yeah. got to tell that story. So we'll get back to MTV, but tell the story about okay. being at Live Aid. Well, in a previous podcast, we talked about the older neighbor that lived across the street from me. He actually took me to Live Aid. He was in high school. I was still... Man, I can think about how crazy this is. And again, I this I didn't go, but my parents didn't actually know that I was going to Live Aid. They just thought I was going to a sleepover. He had an extra ticket. I believe he had a ticket, but we got in. And <laughs> I don't know how I got in. He, We just went down. He was in high school, and it was Live Aid. I must have been 12, maybe? 12 years old at the time? I'm guessing, because I don't know the time of Live Aid, but I know it was pre-high school for me. I wasn't in high school yet. And I think about how crazy okay. this is. And I went with the high school kid that was four years older than me, went in his car. We drove to, I believe it was the JFK Stadium. Is that the name of the stadium? Yes. And it, Philadelphia, it was it? Again, I was in yep. a car. I'm like a little kid. I had no idea where we were going. And I, I have, yeah, amazing memories of that. Of course, they were all drunk and stoned, and I was not. And we went down the night before. That was the, the quote-unquote, mom and dad, I want to go to sleepover. Um, so we went the night before. We slept in the car in the parking lot. And there were um, like por porta potties, and there was people. You know, it was sort of Woodstock e, but I think Woodstock was cooler. You know, because this was like a parking lot in the city. There was a ton of people. We had no food. I remember getting in, and we had seats that were a million miles away, the worst possible right. seats. The the stage was just a blip. And he said, "Forget this, man. Let's jump the fence." And we did. We jumped to the ground and we just started walking forward and walking forward and we got in front of the cameras. So the cameras were behind us. 
but it was still really far. I have memories of the concert, but I have not as much vivid memories of the music as I do of the experience. Okay, I have so many questions. First of all, yeah. were you going there to see like a specific band, or did you were you just like excited to get out and be with the older kids and go see this festival? You know, it's so long ago. I have to look at who was there to to strike my memories. I have I don't have vivid memories of the music. Like I remember being on the verge of like in my head. I thought I'm gonna die. I've never been this thirsty in my life. I mean, I hadn't eaten, but I also hadn't drunk anything. So it was like a 24-hour period before I drank something. So was he giving you beer? Right. They only had beer, and I was a good kid. And I was like, nah, I don't think I'm going to have beer. So I, there was no water. And I remember there was a, a girl, she, she was a woman to me, but she was probably a teenager, who saw that I looked worse for the wear. And she had this, which is so totally unsanitary, but they had this jug of water that her and her friends were sharing. And she just said, drink water, kid. And she started taking care of me. My friends went off and did whatever they did. And then I was, and she was like, how are you getting home? So I remember there was a, a teenage girl, I believe teenage girl, that took care of me at Live Aid. Now, were you noticing like all the girls that were around? Because I, I remember like 12, 13 concerts were like freedom. And it was like, yeah, now I'm a grown-up, and now I want to look at all the grown-up things and do all try all the grown-up things and and. Were you sort of having that experience when you were there? So I started going to concerts very early. I, the fir- very first concert I ever went to was Jethro Tull and I was seven. Benvenuto Italia. Bonsoir ce soir. J'ai le plaisir d'accueillir des amis de longue date. Good evening. Sit back, relax, and make yourself comfortable to enjoy an evening with Jethro Tull! Jethro Tull! <laughs> Wow. I was really young. I went with my brother and my uncle, and I have vivid memories of that. I don't know if we talked about that yet. And that was not, there was nothing about girls there. It was about the music and the power of the music. This is the late 70s then for me, right? Right. So it might have been the Songs from the Wood concert. Again, these are not vivid memories because I'm so damn old, but the experience was vivid. Of walking in, feeling the music. We came in late and the band UK was playing. And I remember walking into Madison Square Garden at seven years old, feeling the power of music and hearing the echo through the hallways. And we're going up the steps to get to our level. And I could feel the power of it. And then when you walk through those doors and the full brunt of it hits you, and then the sweet smell of, what is that smell? What are, what are they smoking? I've never smelled that before. Well, my first concert was actually in eighth grade. It was at the Great Arena at Great That's Adventure. Awesome. And I was going there. It was like an eighth grade uh, class trip. And I was there to – I wanted to go see Ted Nugent at the end of the day. And the opening band was a band called Alcatraz. Oh, you saw that? And the guitar player, yeah, the guitar player was Ingve Malmsteen. Wow. So he comes out on the stage and starts playing, and I was like, what the hell am I seeing right now? Way. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And that's sort of what started me into like the metal phase of, of listening to music. 
it kind of became like an obsession to emulate these guys because as a guitar player, I'm not that guy. I don't have that kind of technique. Listening to us play guitar, I think people would assume I'd be the one. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You're the shredder and I'm the blues so- solo guy. Like that's and the straight ahead rock guy. That's me. Obviously, not because I didn't want to be a shredder. I just couldn't do it. That's about as far as I was able to go. Well, I'm not a shredder because I never worked on the shred thing as much, but I I can play a little bit more technical than most people. That sounds so pompous, but it but I'm, you know, just telling it like it is. I right. never worked yeah. hard on it, though. Yes, there are yes. people that are far yeah. more diligent and better at it than me. But that being said, I, I took it in and I incorporated some of it in my playing. I don't hear that in your playing at all. Whether you wanted to do it or not, it doesn't, you don't sound that way. Yeah, I did. But because of the issues with my left hand, I could never do the speed picking. Right. So that, uh, I was never going to be that yeah. kind of player. But back to our conversation about Live Aid. So I was really into The Who um, back then, right? And st- I, I mean, still am. But The Who were, do, were reuniting for Live Aid. They were getting back together to do a show. And I remember waiting all day long for them to come on. You should, you should explain what Live Aid was for the young people that might not know. <laughs> so Live Aid was a big concert in the 80s. It was put on by Bob Geldof of the Boomtown Rats. He was the organizer. And it was a charity event. It was meant to uh, bring in donations f- to feed Africa. Yeah, for food, feeding Africa. Feed the world was that song. Feed the world, that's right. So there was a a stadium uh, in the UK, Wembley Stadium, and then there was a stadium in Philadelphia in the United States, JFK Stadium. And people would fly back and forth and perform at both of them. That's right. Phil Collins, right? Phil Collins, yeah. I saw him. I remember hearing him. I remember that being good. Oh, yeah. He was great. Anyway, I was sitting at home watching all day long, just waiting for The Who, and discovering other music like U2 blew me away and then Queen took the stage and literally ripped it apart and those are the bands I love so I'm surprised I didn't get you into those bands because I knew those bands. I mean, I, of course, we both knew The Who, but I loved Queen. I mean, I loved Queen. I think you had definitely tried to get me into Queen, but I was definitely not vibing on it until I saw that Live Aid show. And then they just took over for me. I mean, I had, I think, Bohemian Rhapsody, that, that album. Right. Um, but I wasn't into it like you were. Right, and the one that I liked from Queen was Sheer Heart Attack, which had, you know, Stone Cold Crazy and had a bunch of, like, the heavier Queen songs that never got famous, but I always liked it. Stone Cold Crazy, you know. Woo! I mean, I love Bohemian Rhapsody, but you, you don't have to turn on Bohemian Rhapsody, especially now. You know, you hear other people played it so much, and it was on the radio enough that I... So yeah, music on TV in the forms of videos was really, really a big deal uh, to me and I think to everybody at the time. Like, I'm not even sure how to explain how big it was when Michael Jackson's Thriller came out. Do you remember when that happened? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember it and I didn't even have MTV. It was a big enough deal that not even having it 
you knew about all the videos. What were the first MTV videos? I'm thinking of Devo right now and Whip It being one of the first, but I... Yeah, that was. That was, for sure. Money for Nothing was another early one, I think. The Whip It video is awesome where he has the whip and he eventually he's just like taking the each piece of clothing off that girl, right? He whips each whips <laughs> until she's in a whatever, lingerie. <laughs> It was so misogynistic. A lot of those MTV videos were so bad. And they're completely the geekiest band ever, but there's Come and Eileen. That had to be one of the very first ones. I loved Come on Eileen. God, that girl in the overalls. Oh, the so overalls. cute. She was so cute. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a one-hit wonder, right? Probably bands were rushing to do videos, but... But it was a new art form that's since died, I feel like. Oh, although, what do I know? YouTube is now where they put their videos. It's bringing it back. But even Van Halen, do you remember those earlier videos? They were so much fun. Although, they were also pretty misogynistic. I mean, they were not, not great. Pop a teacher, come on. Oh, yeah, very very much so. Life was misogynistic back then, but but I think that they were one of the first bands. Them and maybe ACDC, because I remember they had a video for You Shook Me All Night Long. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Van Halen, of course, 1984, which we were talking about, I think, in the last podcast. There was videos for that. I don't think anything prior to 1984. Maybe there was. No, there was. There was a video... God, do you remember? Didn't they do a video on Diver Down? What were the songs? Because Diver Down has a bunch of covers on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There was a video for something in there. Well, the covers were Pretty Woman and Dancing in the Streets. I have a vague memory. It's not vivid. It's a vague memory of Van Halen doing a video where they're all, the whole, it's all like a cowboy uh, motif. They're doing like a cowboy movie. And I feel like it's one of the songs from that album. Really? Oh, I don't know. I swear to God, I might be going crazy, but I feel like it, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rock bands feel like an offshoot of some of the metal stuff was taking like the glam rock from New York, like the New York Dolls and all that stuff, and Van Halen and smushing them together and creating, I guess, the glam metal scene. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Which, which is the goofiest thing ever, but... <laughs> yeah, and then it got heavy into rap videos and, and they seemed to dominate, and then it went into reality and it became kind of the first reality network. Yeah, people got bored too with it because like any good thing you exploit, right? So the metal thing, some of that metal stuff like Van Halen was amazing, but a lot of the bands like XYZ or one of these bands came out, I remember thinking, I can't tell one metal band from another. <laughs> All right, you look like a girl, you play really good guitar, the drummer is incredibly boring, the songs are pretty lame, some cool riffs. Everything just sort of sounded the same to me. I think it was more than that. First of all, the videos were incredibly expensive to make back then. Mm -hmm. And then MTV did exactly what radio did, which is they play the same 15 videos over and over again and, and over again, and people got sick of it. Bored. You've seen it. Yeah, they got bored. So they came up with different programming, and that's the reality. And that was a drag. I miss music videos. I would still watch MTV if they had music videos. Okay, from there, let's go to what were some of your favorite 80s TV shows? You know, were you even watching? Oh, yeah. That's huge for me. My son's growing up in a bubble. So he, we watch a lot of old TV because you can now. I, I think I told you this, Phil, but when he was really young, we started re-watching Cheers. Mm. 
and he would go in. <laughs> you know, he's like five, and you know, on the playground, the kids would talk about stuff, and he would he would go, "What do you guys think about Sam and Dan? Are they ever going to get together?" <laughs> you know? This is like, you know, oh, that poor kid, man. Kids have what? Who? Where? It's amazing he has any friends. Look what you've done to him. Exactly, he is in such a bubble. Um, which is beautiful. You can grow because because the, then you can pick and choose. It, TV was a lot more innocent back then than it is now. So you, your your child can be more innocent, which is a, a nice thing in this rough world. But I grew up as a TV family. My family all watched TV together. It was basically there's a hierarchy. Whatever my dad wanted to watch, my mother was along for the ride. She just watched whatever dad wanted to watch. My brother had a say, and then a couple times a year I could watch something. <laughs> My choices were during Christmas, I would watch the Franken-Bass, um, the Claymation Christmas, Rudolph the Red News Reindeer, and all of those. Changing from bad to goods as easy as taking your first step. Put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking across the floor. I could watch that. My dad would love when he watched that. But generally speaking, we watched whatever he wanted to watch. And he, luckily enough, had pretty good taste. He liked Star Trek, so we watched Star Trek. He liked um, all of the sitcoms. He likes to, to laugh. So we would watch both good and bad sitcoms. So we would watch Cheers. We watched Star Trek. But there was a litany of other shows that he would allow us to watch. Did you guys watch, like, Family Ties? We did, yeah. Growing Pains and... Yep. Oh, MASH. MASH was big in our house. Do you remember the final episode? Like, what a big deal that was? It was huge. Oh, yeah. And that was 83. It was massive. And that's a cultural thing, right, Phil? Because people don't... There's too many options now. So there's never going to be something where that many people... The closest thing you can think about it, it would be the Super Bowl. In, in terms of everyone in our country watching a similar thing. And remember, around the world, people don't watch the Super Bowl. It's just in America. So, um, yeah, back in the day... A lot. Everyone would watch a similar show, and Nash was one. That last episode, everyone watched. The whole country. It was crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine there's numbers like that ever coming again. Yeah, the whole metrics of TV, of what makes a TV show a hit now, is totally different. I mean, what was a hit back then, like you couldn't get a tenth of that audience now. Yeah, it's like having a, a, a platinum album or a gold album. It's... I. I can't remember what it is, but it's like half the sales of what it used to be. What were the classic 80s movies that you were into? I mean, what was your thing in the 80s? So, of course, we talked. We had a whole podcast on Star Wars. If you haven't heard it yet or if it hasn't been, been released, please listen. It's a good one, I feel like. Yeah, Star Wars, 100% for me. I, you know, I have to think besides Star Wars. You start. Maybe it'll jog my memory a little bit. Well, for sure, Ferris Bueller. 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 Bueller, Bueller. Um, he's sick. I I love that guy. Oh, that I was wanted 80s. to be that guy. Um. Oh my God! Yeah, of course. Then Ferris Bueller's. Let me think. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was another really big one for me. Oh, and just to show you how cool I thought I was, after seeing Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I had our buddy Rob. I was in Catholic school. Rob was in public school. I had him come to the cafeteria with, I had ordered pizzas and he brought them there because I thought Spicoli was cool. So I was, I was pretty, pretty <laughs> lame, but it ended up being like a lot of fun. I got in some trouble. He had a good time. It was, you know, all good. I think these types of movies too were changing film. You know, I mean, they were 
sort of relating to kids. Like that, that was the idea back then. Before that, it was really like kids' movies, like cartoon movies and, and for younger kids, and then for adults. Like then think of the John Hughes ones, like 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink. And, you know, they spoke to high schoolers. My first date was, was to a 16 Candles movie. Oh, oh, well, of course, now we have to pause and talk about your first date. <laughs> Let's hear it. The first date was a girl, I'm blanking on it. Oh, Anne. Oh, God, I remember the girl's name. Anne, I won't do the last name. Um, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> shocking, but go ahead. Yeah, shocking. Um, we went to a movie, and I remember she put her head against my shoulder. I didn't make the move, Ooh. basically. Like, yeah, you can put, put your arm around me kind of thing. And then she was digging her head in and to my shoulder. She was really lying back hard. She's this little thing, but my arm fell asleep. But I was so excited that I had my hand around a girl, right? I was, I was holding a girl, quote unquote, romantically. That I was like, I don't care. I'll deal with the pain. <laughs> you walked out like with your arm dangling from your socket. <laughs> I couldn't feel my arm for like, a, exactly, for like a half hour. But it's funny, all these movies, you, you mentioned movies, all of a sudden, boom, you said that, oh, yeah, the John Hughes movies, John Candy, yeah. all the ones with, like, yeah. Uncle Buck, all those movies. Oh, Uncle Buck, yeah, great movie. What Man, a great movie. John Candy, right? what a loss. How much fun. And what about all of the Bill Murray movies? Now, when did uh, Caddyshack come out? Was that 70s or 80s? Yeah, I think that would have been 70s, but it was late 70s if it was. My parents took me to some uh, inappropriate movies. We saw... <laughs> Wait, that's crazy. You saw that in the theater? I saw it with my dad. So Caddyshack and saw Animal House. Those are the first two movies I ever saw boobs in. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty yeah. inappropriate. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we talked about the barbershop, right, Gina? So <laughs> I think fathers were pretty un- inappropriate in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, I can remember when uh, my mom took us, at, like me and some friends, to go see the James, a James Bond movie. I think it was Moonraker. Uh, and a poor woman, man, she was squirming when some of the oh, stuff no. was going on. <laughs> During the movie, it was it was rough. Roger Moore, right? That was the James Bond of the 80s. What a goofy James Bond. And at that point, he was extra goofy. Like in the 70s, he had something going on. But in the 80s, remember there was one with Christopher Walken as a bad guy? Yeah, that was much later in his reign. Yeah. <laughs> Those got so goofy. <laughs> yeah, that got pretty bad. But I liked him in his earlier stuff like i thought he was a good james bond i was definitely yeah the man with it. the golden gun was good and what was the the my favorite song live and let die that's the best that's the best theme live and let die oh yeah yeah yeah. live and let die for sure that's a great one i had this recollection i've been watching james bond movies with my family and i said to tracy oh let's watch the ones with the guy that took roger moore's place timothy dalton, timothy dalton. and she said no nah, he's not that good yeah. i said no, no 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 i remember him being pretty good we watched it he was good but those movies were terrible I mean, like, wow. <laughs> I thought the first one was, was good. The Living Daylights I liked. Uh, the next one was just god-awful. Yeah. It was so bad. But even The Living Daylights was stupid as hell. There was a guy that, during that movie, I don't know if you remember, he ate <laughs> stupid shit. He ate, <laughs> he, he ate nuts. Uh, not almonds. Oh, pistachio nuts, yeah. Pistachios. He ate pistachios. And then, like during secret missions, he's talking to him and he's eating pistachios and throwing <laughs> the shells on the ground. Yeah, you're mixing it up because that was for your eyes only. Roger Moore. That was Roger oh, Moore. Oh, it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they used the, Are you the, sure? the pistachio is, shells uh, to... Um, I forgot what they did with it, but it was something with the shells. You're right. You're, you're right. 
it's his way back. This is so stupid. It's the one where they're trying, they're, there's like some sort of like monastery where the evil guy is and he has to go up. Okay. I didn't know I was talking to such a historian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, all things cool. So thank you for listening to us. This is a Jocular Pugilists. You can find us online uh, at our website, thejocularpugilists.com. You could find us on Facebook, The Jocular Pugilists. Anyway, thanks as always. Tom, I hate you. I hate you too. <laughs> See you next time. See you. When you were young and your heart was an open book You used to say live and let live You know you did, you know you did, you know you did But if this ever-changing world in which we live in Makes you give in and cry Say live and let die